We are live. Great. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another Educator Innovator Hangout on air. Um, I'm one of your hosts uh, for this hangout. I'm Annalise Wunderlich. I'm the Youth Participation Manager at KQED. And I am also um, a media maker myself and a journalist. And I'm joined here with my colleague, Matthew Green. Want to say hi? Hi, everybody. I'm Matthew. I run the News Education Program here at KQED. Hey, and we're really thrilled to be hosting this conversation with some great students and teachers and um, some of our partners at the Bay Area Video Coalition who are also co-hosting this first media make that's part of the Letters to the Next President um, 2.0 initiative. So today is March 22nd, 2016, and we are hosting a conversation about how to foster the development and discussion of diverse political views in your classroom and how to use video as a platform and a teaching tool for getting students to share their views about the election and politics in general. So this conversation is going to be the first of a series of media makes and webinars that go with each media make um, featured at Educator Innovator over the next few months. These are hands-on hangouts and they're part of um, the National Writing Project and KQED's Letters to the Next President 2.0 project. Um, and this project is all about engaging young people around the country, ages 13 to 18, um, as they research, write, and make media to voice their opinions about issues that really matter to them that are um, part of the election that's coming up. So I just wanted to start off by introducing everybody else who's on the Hangout. Um, why don't we start with our co-hosts of the Media Make over at the Bay Area Video Coalition. Lauren, do you want to kick off our intros? Hi, I'm Lauren, and I am the Youth Development Manager here at the Bay Area Video Coalition. Thank you so much for inviting us. We have two students from our Emerging Media Makers program. These are our young leaders who are working in the community this year to uh, make uh, media about causes and issues that they care about. So thank you for inviting us, and students can introduce themselves. Hi, my name's Alex. I'm part of the I'm part of Bayvet. I'm doing video production. My the issue I'm covering on is military. Thanks, Alex. Uh, I'm Jindy. I'm part of the video production track as well. Um, I actually have not chosen the topic yet. Cool. Thanks so much for joining us, you guys. Um, and we're really excited. We've been working at KQD with Bayvac um, on creating some great short videos as part of this media make. Mm -hmm. So um, we're really excited to have them join. And they have a lot of expertise um, at Bayvac around um, video production and um, community and, and civic engagement. So thanks for joining us. And then we also have um, some great teachers on the Hangout. Why don't we start with Bob. Do you, can you introduce yourself and your student? Hi, my name is Bob Kelly. And I teach at Minarets High School, which is up near Yosemite. Um, I have a couple of students who both produced uh, videos before, uh, before the end of the year, um, uh, Bailey Samper and Jacob Vila. And I'll let them, uh, Bailey first and then Jacob, uh, introduce themselves. 
Go ahead, Bailey. Okay, sorry, I just had to unmute myself. Hello, everyone. My name is Bailey Stamper. I am a senior at Minarets High School. Mr. Kelly has been my AP US History teacher and my AP Econ and Gov teacher. And I made my video um, regarding abortion. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Jacob there? Uh, yeah, can you hear me? Yep. <laughs> um, hi, I'm Jacob Vila, uh, Minaret's uh, senior. And uh, I did my video on um, wealth inequality. And uh, Mr. Kelly has been my uh, econ and government teacher for this uh, year. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for joining us, Jacob and Bailey. Um, and then I also wanted to hand it over to Julie Vendita. Hi, my name is Julie Phelan. I teach 11th and 12th grade English at Sacred Heart Cathedral Preparatory in downtown San Francisco. Uh, very excited to be here. I'm a big fan of KQED. I love that this whole project is really engaging students and giving them an opportunity to connect with other students outside of our school and our classroom, which is really critical. Um, I have one of my wonderful students here, Vita. She's going to introduce herself. And uh, thank you. Go ahead, Vita. Hi, my name is Vita. Um, I'm uh, Ms. Phelan's 11th grade student. I'm in her AP Language and Composition class. Um, and I also submitted a My Backyard campaign video. Um, my group did the topic of immigration, and I was the campaign like header. So I made the video and everything. And um, thank you so much for you know being here with me today and for this opportunity. The first uh, attempt that we put out there called My Backyard um, Video Campaign that Vita, Jacob, and Bailey participated in, um, and just kind of what the impetus was for KQED to ask young people to create short videos um, around the election. So Matthew, can you just tell us and why you did it? Sure. Um. First off, it's a, it's a, it's great to see some of the students that we saw in videos. It's like you guys are celebrities now. <laughs> um, so thanks, thanks for especially to you guys for being here. Um, so uh, the whole point of this was to really get students to think about some of the big issues that are being talked about a lot on the campaign trail, and to kind of think about how they're um, influenced by them. Um, in their own lives, um, we hear, you know, it's, we're in the middle, we're in the thick of campaign season, we hear lots of these issues tossed around, and they can sometimes seem a bit meaningless um, because they're talked about on this very sort of broad level. And um, we particularly wanted to hear youth voices because there are enough youth voices, uh, and um, most youth can't vote. Um, 18, 18 and to really kind of uh, get a sense of what, what issues were most uh, were affecting you guys the most um, in, your, in your own communities, and what issues were you most interested in, most concerned about. Um, so this seemed like a really good opportunity to do that and to really hear um, 
know, to hear your voices, and, that, and that's what came through. Yeah, so maybe we can just um, <coughs> hear directly from Vita, Jacob, and Bailey about um, what was going through your mind when you first heard from your teachers about the assignments, and then, you know, what was it like to actually make your video? Start with you. Yeah, okay, so this assignment was actually given to our class as a ProPoint assignment. So, like most high school seniors, I put it off to the last minute. So, actually, um, it was actually really interesting to me to get kind of my own perspective on abortion because from both sides, Republicans and Democrats, you hear a lot of um, contradicting ideas. So, I actually think um, just getting straight to the point and kind of cutting out all the extra um crap and just focusing on what my opinion is and perspective is, I found that to be really beneficial. So I know in my video, I tried to represent both sides of abortion, talking about the pros and the cons, just to kind of give like a fundamental understanding of what abortion is and how it affects the U.S. Um, Thanks, I Bailey. Um, yeah. <laughs> Go for it, Jacob. Okay, so um, when I first heard about the project, uh, again, as Bailey said, it was a ProPoint um, project or extra credit. And um, I was really excited because uh, I'm very involved, or I consider myself to be very politically aware. And um, again, as I, I said earlier, uh, I talked about wealth inequality and um, poverty and the poverty rates in America today. And um, Basically, what I wanted to do with my video is just um, <laughs> pretty straightforward and simple and just kind of talked, you know, uh, from my heart and just, um, yeah, tried to, you know, just tried to express the way I feel about um, poverty and wealth inequality in America. You guys, you guys do a, did a great job with both of those themes. Did you, um, I, yesterday we... Uh, posted all the videos, so you can see all your videos on the KQED site now. If you haven't, if you haven't seen it yet. Yeah, and I think that one of the pieces of feedback we got from our newsroom at KQED um, when we shared with them your videos was just how uh, articulate and um, thoughtful you guys were about issues and how refreshing it was to hear straight from young folks without any filter, you know, from adults about what they think young people um, are thinking about this election and just how important it is to create more opportunities um, to hear straight from you guys about um, what you think about what's happening in the election. Vita, did you want to add some uh, perspective from your side? Yeah, thanks. Um, so our video was about immigration, and instead of saying that immigration be t should be talked about more, we addressed how stereotypes um, should be addressed also, and how um, 
there's commonly misconceptions about immigrants being lazy or them not attempting to learn English. And so in our video, we talked about those stereotypes and then the actual reality. And we brought in statistics saying, like, California is home to, like, 10 million immigrants and how it's very real in our lives. And my group mates, all of us have family who are immigrants and are um, really involved in, um, you know, the immigrant culture and like one of I have two mothers and one of them is an immigrant and ironically the other one is an immigration lawyer so I'm very in the world of um, immigration and it's a topic that's really important to me. Okay and then I wanted to hear from our partners at BAVAC um, the uh, emerging media maker Focus on how to tell stories through media. The local contact. At least you're kind of cutting out. Okay. Let's see. Is is my audio cutting out too? It was. It sounds a little better now. Okay. Maybe I will try not to move. Okay. <laughs> Let me see. I will uh, try lowering my bandwidth just one more here. Okay, does, does my audio sound a little more clear? Yep. Okay, perfect. So I wanted to hear straight from you guys at BAVAC, um, because you are uh, even in a more in-depth program to learn about video making and video production, if you guys could talk a little bit about how you're approaching connecting these big national issues to what's happening in your own lives and your own communities. Alex, do you want to talk a little bit about how you chose the topic of the military and then how your interview went, how you chose somebody to interview? Well, I decided to pick the issue on military because there's a lot of issues surrounding the military. Uh, I mean, I personally wasn't affected, but I knew someone who was affected by it, which was my teacher. His name is Eddie. He joined the Air Force uh, a decade ago. I spoke to him on the phone. He was just telling me the, these stories about his experience in the Air Force and how it was, it was a pretty negative impact on his life. And I had an interview with him, a sit-down interview, and he kind of told me his story about why he joined the Air Force and why he did all this and how it, it, gave, it, it impacted him quite negatively. And he, he's learned a lot from it, and he doesn't support... The, the military in general, he 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 advises like people my age to avoid it. And yeah. Hey, um, yeah, and and it, so what what's some of the how are you going to approach telling um, a personal story, and what do you guys think um, that will do to open up? awareness and conversation around that issue or the issues that you're focusing on? Just from his perspective because he shared um, yeah he shared, yeah from his perspective because he was in the Air Force. When you were listening to him Alex were there things that he was saying that you felt like resonated with you emotionally? Uh, there was because at a point in my life I wanted to join the military and I talked to my teacher, and he was explaining to me how the like the military is pretty, it's serious, and like it could leave like a, 
it can leave an impact in your life. And like that, that stuck to me because what what he said and like and his experience through it. So that's why I kind of related to the issue because I want I myself wanted to join the military because I was a point I was at a point in my life where I didn't know what I, what my choice was. Thanks, Alex. Thank you, Alex. And I think it can be um, difficult sometimes um, for students to open up and find those personal connections and share with a big audience. So I'm wondering if this is for um, anybody really on the on the Hangout to um, talk about how you approach that. So for the teachers, you know, I can imagine it, um, it's difficult to. Um, have that conversation sometimes with your students, especially when politics are involved and it's a contentious um, election with a lot of controversies in the um, you know in the political scene. And how do you approach um, a project like this? This asks ask students to voice their opinions. Um, Bob, please jump in. What we what we always I try to do as much as possible is help the students get uh, background, so that they have a fully uh, rounded understanding of what it is they're trying to talk about, and then let them go from there for their perspective. And in fact, it was funny I was just looking back at the uh, the assignment that uh, especially Jacob did um, because poverty wasn't one of the nine issues that we had in that uh, in that right. He took that and ran with it himself, which is something that we had studied earlier. Um, and he did a great job of it. Um, and then uh, Bailey didn't really come down on one side or another. She said, look, these are what I think are the issues. Um, and so the idea, I think, is uh, most fundamental is to try to get a really, really good, solid background uh, and then just go from your own experiences and your own understandings of the world. Yeah, um, and Bob, does it, when you have these discussions in class, how do you navigate um, the potential for conflict or um, even parents getting concerned, you know, that there's a political conversation happening in school. Do you have any tips for educators around how to approach controversy? Um, when I first started this school, I was much more hesitant to get involved. But this is my fifth year there now. And in, I guess, for lack of a better term, I've kind of proven myself and trying to be balanced. And I, I really go out of my way to talk to all the students about whatever it is that they're interested and uh, how they understand it. And I try to explain very clearly to them that I don't want to tell them what to say, but I want them to learn how to say it better, more clearly. And so I try to really strike that neutral balance. And then every so often, I'll, I'll, I'll make it very clear to them when I'm speaking from my own perspective as opposed to as the teacher in the room. So I try, I try to create a, an atmosphere that, that allows uh, students to pretty much say what they want to say. Julie, I know you have some thoughts on that too. Can you jump in? Yes. Um, because I teach at a religious school, there are restrictions uh, that we have. But we try, in my classrooms, I try to articulate to students that it is something that you're going to be stating public. You don't want to put anything out there that would be inappropriate, but you still have a voice. So 
let's find what that voice is. I usually start with that first and foremost. So even if it might be uncomfortable or controversial, I want the students to identify it for themselves. Um, we have an ethics class at our school also that really does deal with more uh, religious doctrine. I avoid that card in my classroom because I'm not there to make any judgments, but to get students to be qualify their view and support it with facts and information. Uh, that's one of the key components for AP language and composition. But we do have a range of beliefs in the classroom and I do have to be mindful of that and my position as a teacher uh, in the San Francisco Archdiocesan uh, community. I, I have to walk a very fine line but I don't want that ever to prevent students from articulating uh, something that's really critical and I, I want them to be able to find a voice that they can publicly uh, reflect and, and, and express. So I think uh, Vita could probably talk a little bit more about that as well. Um, but I, that's been one of the great parts of this whole process for KQED. And I did, I did go to our administration. Ironically, we have had ethics classes in the past and social justice classes at our school that have tweeted. So a lot of kids already had Twitter accounts and they were like, no, that's fine. We want these kids to be engaged in the community. So that's... Great. Thanks, Julie. And um, Lauren, I know that you've got some thoughts, too. Cool. <laughs> um, so I just first would like to say I really admire what KQED is doing in terms of getting, you know, youth and, and schools and stuff involved in, you know, what's going on out there. Uh, I'm 24, so I haven't been in high school for a few years, but I can say that I'm, I'm from Georgia and, like, I've never witnessed an opportunity where like you know instructors and stuff want to hear our stories and want to see how we feel on things uh, you know so I can say that initially I was a little bit unaware of you know some of the things some of the things that are going on uh, you know like I mean like I would be aware of them but not knowing how to speak on them you know or when the right time or how to speak on them you know uh, so since being out on my own and and you know being a part of real life you know it's it's, you know, a little bit easier to understand, you know, what's what's happening around us. Um, and, you know, just to be able to be a part of, you know, this opportunity to put our put our voices out there. And, you know, we are the next generation. This election matters. All of the students that are here, they're all juniors, seniors. So, you know, this this is happening now. And, you know, like it's affecting us. Thank you for that perspective. And I, I wanted to put it out there to all the learners. Um, I know that it can be scary to put yourself out in the public in a big way. And I'm just wondering how you guys felt about um, making these videos and then putting them out there to any advice you might have for other students who might be a little intimidated by that. So this is really for anybody who's uh, who's made a video or is in the process of making one. Um, for me, I really like putting myself out there. Um, I really enjoy public speaking, and I'm not really afraid to share my opinions. So I really viewed this opportunity as 
just a great medium to express, you know, how I feel on current issues, which I don't feel like I often get to do as a 16-year-old high school student. So I really appreciated that. And then just to understand that, like, it's through KQED, like, I feel like I'm being heard, and I feel like there's not a lot of restriction on what I can say. Like, I can say my genuine feelings in a really just open environment, and I love that. And I'm not, you know, intimidated by all the people that potentially could see it. I think it's even more uplifting knowing that I could get my 16-year-old message across. Great, and it's really inspiring to be able to give you a platform for that. And I'm, I'm wondering what you guys, um, if you have had a chance to watch any of the other students' videos, either from your class or from other classes around the country, um, what that's like to kind of hear from other people in your generation, even if they have views that are really different from your own. Annalise, can, can we jump back to the last question for a second? Sure. So um, I think one of the things that I, um, that I want to make sure that young people know is that they don't have to be super outgoing and bold to get their media out there. You can be a soft-spoken person, too, and being behind the camera is the way to get your voice out. Um, Alex, can you talk a little bit about um, just like what it's like to be behind the camera um, instead of in front of the camera? Well, it's a different experience because you're hearing it from a different point of view. Like when I'm behind the camera, I mean, I'm, I'm still seeing what's going on, but I get to see it in a, I guess, more raw form other than a, yeah, from my point of view, that's the way I see it, in a, a raw form. So I just, yeah, I think it's, you know, students' voices are really powerful both in front of the camera and behind the camera, and you don't have to be the kind of person who is comfortable on a stage in order to make really great media and to share a really important message. Yeah, I mean, we, we experienced that. We um, got a chance to do our own production um, about one of the youth production teams that participated in the My Backyard project. Um, we ha we were really honored to work with Madeline and Jacqueline and Zoram, who are three Oakland Tech high school students who also did a short video about immigration. Um, and it was just really cool to see how each one of them got something out of that project. Not, there was Madeline who was sharing her story on camera about her mom being deported, but then Jacqueline and Zoram were kind of behind the scenes um, doing sound and camera and editing. And just each one of them felt like they really got to contribute their voice to that project, even though they weren't all on camera. So that's a great, a great point. Uh, speaking of production, though, I did want to um, jump in and ask teacher, the, the teachers on the group and the students, you know, some folks might be hesitant to um, participate in a project like this because they feel like they don't have the tech know-how or the production background, um, and especially for teachers, you know, um, if you don't have equipment or you've never really taught video production or editing, it, it might seem like a big ask, you know, to have your students do a project like this. So if any of you could just kind of comment on the value you see in using video in particular for a project like this and how you overcome that tech, the tech hurdles. 
one of the things that uh, that we used in my school was um, the idea that uh, do it however you want to do it. Like uh, Jacob used his phone and did it straight off his phone, and there was real no, there wasn't any real uh, production after that. Um, Bailey's was much more uh, uh, production intense, um, but that didn't really matter as far as how I looked at it. it was basically how they uh, they presented their own understandings. Um, so it, it, there's a huge range of people who can do it. It can be uh, the people who are real tech savvy and those who just can do a real quick down and dirty, get your point out and make it clear. But the idea of being able to see somebody like Jacob standing there and saying, this is what I believe, um, I think makes the, uh, the message that much more powerful uh, in that you actually see the person. It's not, it's not just a written word or some abstract understanding. It's, it's a real person. And he's saying what he thinks about poverty. Uh, so we have the opportunity to check out um, the original production from the Oakland Tech student and also the one that KQED, K, KQED uh, revised or whatever. Um, just from looking at the original footage, um, I think the young lady filmed it on her iPhone as well. And I mean, with, with both videos, they pretty much uh, conveyed the same emotion. Um, I could feel, you know, her, you know, her loss or her emotion or what, in, or whatever in their situation and experiencing her mom, uh, you know, going through that. Um, so I think, you know, you can. It's definitely okay uh, to use what you have. You know, like sometimes we do feel like we don't have the resources to, to, you know, film or photograph whatever we're trying to do. But I think that. You know, using what you have is, is okay. It's, it's that you can use what you got and put your message out there, and you know, it all conveys the same message. Yeah, great. Um, I wanted to get back to an earlier um, point that Bob raised around the importance of research, because um, I think it's one thing for students to just uh, express their opinion, because we all have them, but it's another thing to do some research on the topic. Um, so I wanted to ask the young people, like, where do you guys get your information to inform your opinions, especially around political stuff? Really, this is for the students. So, um, and it's, it, you get, it, you know, just be honest too. If you don't really. Um, usually do any research around things before having an opinion, that's fine too, but I'm just curious where you guys learn about what's going on in the political scene. Um, for me, I look at like the news and headlines and everything, so CNN is a great source, um, other news sources like that, but for this particular project, we looked at the like Public Policy Institute of California, like that's where we got our statistics about immigration. Um, and yeah, but other than that, like headlines, seeing what's going on in politics, that's it's really good because you get that little like blurb and then you can read more. Um, so it's always good to just stay informed. Great. And Jacob, I know that you said that you um, are, are pretty politically active and you definitely had a really strong point of view and your opinion about poverty in America, especially around things like um, opportunities for um, higher ed and um, public assistance programs. So if you could just talk about how you got invested in those 
topics and where you got your info? Um, for me, um, I watch a lot of debates. Uh, I keep, uh, you know, I look at different articles, different everything online. Um, Mr. Kelly, probably one of the best teachers I ever had. Um, I mean, we talk about current events pretty much every class. That's how we started out, and then we have to write a blog. Um, and I mean, so yeah, Mr. Kelly really, really kind of keeps everybody politically involved. And then, you know, on my own, um, my brother is a um, reporter for BuzzFeed Politics, and um, he's always been interested in my parents, my whole family, really. And, um, you know, I always discuss a lot of this kind of stuff with them. Um, and, yeah, and just stuff like that. Cool. And um, how about for the teachers? You know, how do you structure the research that goes into projects like this? How do you, what are some tips that you might have for some other educators about how to get your students um, digging deeper into the topics? I have a few things that I teach students. One is to read other news that's out there, as Vito was saying but also to do advanced Google search, to really look at what's credible, to make sure just because something is out there doesn't mean it's real, and to try to drill deeper into the facts. Uh, what's, 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 where did that poll come from? How many people did, were in that poll? Who, who were they? Where, where, when was it done? How did they get the information? And really to try to vet, to understand what that means. You know, it's the BS detector. You know, how will that support what I have to say? But also, in the counter argument, that was one thing that Bailey had mentioned uh, in her conversation was about how to look at both sides and really frame the argument and then to take, and to take a position where it's clear what, what you believe so that you can really counter and, and be articulate. So I think, you know, really quite honestly, students, to get them to read is always a challenge. So to keep reading and read more and ask more and of course KQED and uh, all PBS, New York Times, uh, the, you know, even the Washington Post, even the LA Times and uh, but not to cite uncredible sources mainly. Matthew, maybe, um, you, I don't know if you have any advice for teachers or students about um, some good sources um, that they can rely on when doing research for making their videos and like how to ferret out what's a credible source versus a biased source? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you know, it, it obviously depends a lot on um, what you're looking at, but uh, um, you know, I I know a lot of students use Wikipedia, and Wikipedia can actually be really valuable, and um, it's valuable for me too. I never use it as my source because it is, um, you know, people just writing it, and there's lots of things that are actually incorrect on Wikipedia. But what I do use Wikipedia for often is the sources that are listed on Wikipedia. It's always important to kind of look at where that information is originally coming from. Wikipedia, I don't think, should be a source in and of itself. But um, the, the information on Wikipedia is usually fairly well-sourced. And if you go to those original sources, 
it gives you a much better idea of um, how accurate the information is that you're um, that you're looking at. Um, I use a lot of government sources. Not that the government is always accurate, but um, you know, I, I use a lot of like census data, um, a lot of .gov, um, a lot of uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics data. Um, you know, things that aren't exactly the most fun to look at, but are um, you know are official um, sources of information. Um, I also, when I look at an organization that has um, that has um, data that they're putting out there or, or information, um, I try to get a sense of where that organization stands politically, um, because obviously, if they have a strong stance politically, one way or the other, that's that tends to affect. Uh, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're lying, they're putting out incorrect data, but it means that they're selectively putting out um, what they want you to see. So they might only be telling you part of the story based on what, how they want that story to appear. So that's really important to know. Um, it's really easy to like find uh, um, some primary sources from organizations and just assume that it's um, you know, the basic truth, but then realize that there's a whole other side that you're not... Um, being exposed to because that organization has a specific political agenda. So really sort of vetting where, where the organizations are coming from um, and trying to find what are called nonpartisan organizations. A lot of organizations say they're nonpartisan and they actually, actually are partisan. So it's, it's sometimes it takes some um, detective work to really figure it out. Uh, but but uh, yeah, just basically looking for things that are neat that are Providing information in a neutral way. Great, thank you. Um, yeah, and Bob and uh, Julie and even Lauren, if you guys have any other tips for how you would work with your students um, around that media literacy piece of understanding, you know, what the as Matthew was saying, the intended audience and political position of um, the news source that they're going to might be. Uh, yeah. Wanted to jump in because I I'm glad that Matt brought up the um, the issue of partisanship and the kind of credibility and I think in terms of me media literacy that's really important for us to unpack with our young people um, because as we're looking at what makes a source credible and what has historically made a source credible and where students can access historical information when you know for hundreds of years, women and people of color were not considered credible uh, sources. So in terms of what we want to, to include in a discussion about looking for credible sources, we also want to be critical of, you know, uh, of the power structure that, that creates that credibility. Um, and I think in terms of the media literacy piece, um, the audience you know, thinking about the story, audience, message, and style has been really valuable. Um, but then looking at the work of other um, of other artists, of other media makers, and looking at what they've done and what has made them successful. Yeah, thanks, Lauren. That that kind of helps me segue into after you've done your. Did you want to add something, JP? Do any of you guys want to add something? Thanks. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to segue into the production piece a little bit and just the creative process um, because especially for the BayVac students you know who are doing 
more uh, kind of create a lot of editing and, and production in their projects. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about how you come up with your story ideas and pitch them to, to get feedback on from others about how that story would resonate. And then also just how um, your creative process works in terms of doing a rough cut and getting feedback and then like revising and just kind of the role that that revision plays in making a really amazing video. Um, I think the main thing is always just stemming from, <clears throat> you know, what your story is going to be, like what what you're for, what you believe in, and uh, what you what message you're trying to uh, put out there. Uh, I think the hardest part is, you know, slimming it down because obviously you want your videos to be two to three minutes or something, something like that. Um, and you can easily kind of get off track and you kind of have to figure out your direct, um, you know, point of where you're trying to go with it. Um, so that is the hardest part. But uh, once you get through that, it's, you know, you know, pretty easy to go ahead and pitch and start to, figure out how you want to shoot it at that point. And, um, yeah, I, I guess it just, it can be a little bit overwhelming, you know, in, in our sense because we have to literally find that, that story and, you know, figure out if it's going to be us telling it, is it going to be a close family member or friend or what questions did you ask to kind of get the, get the message out there and, you know, all of that. Are you, Alex, are you going to whittle down all that footage? How much footage do you have from your interview? Oh, I have around 25 minutes worth of footage. And I think the most difficult part for me is trying to figure out how to make all, all 25 minutes worth of footage, footage into the original time limit, which is three minutes. So, I mean, I have a, very, I have a pretty difficult job, but... I'm gonna get through it because I feel like I have pretty good answers from my teacher. And yeah. Yeah, when you have that that like kind of mass of, of footage, I guess the hard part is picking out the little ones that are like, you know, like wow answers or, you know, something like that where you kind of really felt that person speaking. Um, so yeah, but we'll get through it. <laughs> Yeah, and I think you guys point to the range of videos that are possible because it sounds like from Bob um, and Jacob and Bailey and maybe even Vita that you guys didn't have as elaborate of a production process. Um, you you focus more in on you know what you wanted to say and then you pretty much just used smartphone technology um, and not a lot of editing. So that's definitely one way to participate in this media make. Um, however, even if you do it at that level, there, I imagine that there's still a lot of thinking and pre-work that goes into making your video before you turn on the record button. So, Vita, I don't know if you want to share just how you approached um, what you were going to end up saying on camera. I'd love to. Um, honestly, um, my group, it was like a collaboration, so we had... Um, all of us kind of work on the script and get our point of, of view across, but mainly I was the one that ended up recording it, editing it, and submitting it on my own. And um, it was very interesting because I have a $200 Chromebook that is breaking and the pixels on the screen are kind of cracked, so it's not the most optimal um, device to record stuff on. 
So um, if you guys like watch my video, you can see there's like a couple points where it glitches out or like it freezes for a second. But I mean, I didn't really let that stop me, you know, try to get the video done and you know submitted. But um, it was kind of you know not optimal because I, I feel like I could have had a better video if I had had a better device or um, if I had you know had a camera or something but I, I think any way that you submit it is good. Yeah how about you Jacob did you put a lot of thought into it before you turn on the record button or did you just kind of go with it? <laughs> uh, for me I just again I just kind of spoke from from the heart and um, yeah, I mean I've uh, been in a lot of situations with um, you know poverty and stuff and uh, uh, my brother taught at a uh, high school in pretty much the most ghetto place in uh, Houston and um, you know I've I've been down there with him and I've experienced all this stuff and so all these experiences just kind of stick with um, yeah, and when we heard we do this video I just and uh, kind of just spoke from my art, you know. Yeah, and I think it really came through in your video, Jacob. We definitely, your video, like, really um, impressed a lot of us with just how authentic um, it was and, you know, how you spoke with a lot of feeling. So I just want to um, encourage anybody who's thinking about doing this media make um, with your students or students who want to do it that um, there's a whole range. You can do it from the approach that Jacob and Vita took, um, where it was a little bit more just working with the tools that you have and, and, get, and speaking from the heart, or um, going more the, the uh, way that the Oak Tech students or our friends at Bayback are taking, where they're putting more um, energy into the production process itself and spending more time editing and getting feedback from their peers um, before they submit their projects. It's definitely designed for people to just participate in any way that they can. And all of these stories are effective in different ways. Um, we only have a few more minutes. And I did want to um, get to a question that I have about, um, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there that think that students your guys' age, you know, un under the voting age, are too young to be um, involved in these kind of political discussions and that, um, you know, you haven't been politically active in a way that um, legitimacy to have a voice in these um, in the political conversation. And I just want to get your thoughts on that. Like, what role do you think young people should play in the election if you're not able to vote? And, and what's the value of having your voice out there? Any of the students to chime in? Um, I sadly won't be able to vote in this election. I missed it by like seven months, which really bummed me out. But um, I think that like politically having a lot of knowledge about what's going on, I think it's really important for us to start thinking about where our vote would fall and like get a stance on these big issues because if we don't learn it now then when it's like that saying if not now then when it's a very valid point we should start educating ourselves as early as possible and forming opinions that will and you know change over time but it's important to to start early and start researching and then realize that it's a really 
great opportunity to participate in our government and get that say about what we think, you know? Um, yeah, go for it, guys. Uh, so I don't, I don't think that it's that they're too young at all. You know, like I, like I said before, um, I didn't have this opportunity to, to you know, be involved and be aware and figuring out where I fall and what you know what my beliefs or views are. Um, I mean. Of course, maybe in my own mind, but not, you know, this open and having a, such a, a full uh, panel of folks here to, you know, just share our, our, our views and feedback, too. Um, you know, like she said, it's, it's, it's never too late or too early. I think that you should totally get um, involved and figure out what, you know, what you stand for. You know, obviously things change, whether it be, in, you know, in your own life uh, or how things are going in uh, in the government or whatever, you should totally at least just be aware, if not, you know, um, you know, and just know what's going on around you. Great, Jacob. Did you want to add anything? Uh, sure. Um, I was gonna say I think that um, you know, young people getting involved really kind of has like a new, uh, a fresh set of eyes. Uh, I feel like. A lot of people, as they get older, um, they get so set in their ways, and they they think, oh well, you know, I have to vote Democrat or I have to vote Republican. It has to be either one. And um, I just feel like, you know, young people, as they start to get involved, they can just kind of they can kind of make their own decisions and get more of an independent feel. And um, uh, yeah. Um, how do you guys think about how the political conversation is going on so far from what you've seen the adult conversation happening around these election issues? <laughs> do you feel like there's um, an opportunity here for young people to make a difference with um, how all of these issues are being talked about? I totally agree with that. Um, to kind of touch on what um, Jacob was saying, um, you know, older people kind of, you know, do get set in their ways. Uh, and then following that, a lot of times, uh, you know, how we're raised, you know, like if you were raised in a Republican family that's more conservative or whatever, you kind of feel like you have to stick with that. Um, but as as we get older and things start to emerge and evolutionize, you know, like you you do have the right and you are able to figure out what's what you feel and what you believe in. Um, and, you know, just hearing some of the adult conversations, uh, it, it almost makes me always want to chime in and just like, just, just hold on, just listen, you know. So, um, you know, so just, you know, now just stay open-minded and figure out what, you know, what's for you and, you know, what, what you feel in your heart. Uh, I just think that's always important. Thank you. And just for the teachers, as, as we wrap up, um, what role do you guys see for mentors and educators in kind of helping guide young people through this opportunity? Because this is a great opportunity, right? These, these media makes are going to be widely seen um, on KQED and also the Letters to the Next President um, website and all of our social media channels. So there is a potential here for these videos to reach um, really tens of thousands of people across the country. 
So that's a big responsibility, and um, you, I, I think you guys play a crucial role, but if you could just articulate you know, what you see your role um, as being. I definitely want to thank uh, KQED for setting this whole thing up because um, you know Jacob wouldn't be here if we uh, on this Google Hangout. Um, he wouldn't be here if uh, if you hadn't uh, given him the opportunity. If uh, if uh, we hadn't had the opportunity in the class, um, I just think, like I was saying earlier, you know, just giving students an opportunity to have all sorts of ways to express themselves um, and do it in a public way, I think, is in, in a lot of ways, it's the definition of uh, of project-based learning. They get to say what they feel, and they get to get the voice out, and then they get responses back, and they get to understand that they can do that, and it's, it's a real confidence-building uh, opportunity. So thank you. Thank I you wanna, for jumping in. I want to ditto that also. Um, you know, one, one thing that I often tell my students is if you don't remember anything from my class, but you can read a voter's pamphlet, then I'll feel like my class has been successful that it's really important uh, and I'm so inspired to hear young people talking and being concerned it's it's why I'm a teacher and without those voices it's I don't have to say without those voices what it looks like so we really need them to be engaged and in a critical way where they really do vet what's going on what these people are really saying my job is to help them get through the muck and if I can teach them those skills, all the better. The idea of them having a public forum is really empowering. And I've said that many times. I don't think my students realized how many voices were out there when they started tweeting. And I want to continue to do that. And uh, I think with young students like we have right now here to keep, keep us going and keep this project moving forward. Thank you, KQED. Great, and I do have to wrap up. Um, I just want to thank um, our partners at BayVac for um, helping us spearhead this first media make as part of Letters to the Next President. I want to encourage everybody who's watching and listening to sign up for Letters to the Next President if you have not already. The website is letters to number two president.org. And all the information about the media make um, can be accessed from Letters to the Next President. So go to the website, sign up. There's going to be a whole bunch more really fun media makes this spring. And then in the summer, we're going to put out the national call for multimedia letters from students around the country with a showcase site and a big social media campaign to get those videos out there too as multimedia. So these could be audio park letters um, written. Uh, stay tuned, sign up, get engaged, and thank you all so much for helping us kick this off. It's an enormous effort and we're really thrilled to have all of you as our partners. Thank you.